22. It tells us in God's word, while Israel lived in their land, Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. Let me pray for us. Father God in heaven, Lord, we come to the time of worship, Lord, the proclamation of your word. Lord, help us right now. Let your word go forth in power and clarity. Let me enrich your people, Lord, at this time. Help me in my weakness. Give me strength. Let me preach your word faithfully with all integrity. So help me, Lord. Enrich all of us this morning and this evening with your word. And let your word, Lord, dwell in us richly. The Lord, who can honor you, Lord, all the days of our lives. So I pray that, Lord, here in this text today, Lord, we see the, the deepness of sin, how sin impacts others around us, and how sin, Lord, uh, destroys things around us. So, Lord, I ask you, Lord, for us to have a high view of God today, that we can be able to see, Lord, that one day sin will be done away with forever and forever and more. So help us, Lord, to see these things here today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Last night I was giving the kids a actual illustration of uh, dealing with track. But something struck me profound. I got a paper plate, a styrofoam paper plate. Uh, tore a napkin off. I put a napkin on the styrofoam plate. I put some water in the cup. And I barely touched that napkin with water. And that water started to spread over that napkin. And I was sharing with the kids, though, is that think about one bad thing somebody lie, or somebody sin, somebody do something bad. Put a little drip of water on that napkin. All of a sudden, eventually the napkin spreads. The water spreads, and I put another napkin down. Now the water touches the other napkin. The whole napkin is now is full of water. They had me thinking about sin. How sin works. Sin works in a very unique way. I don't know if God's ever seen somebody have somebody that Jerry has more of an expertise in this. Somebody that has a lawn, a lawn, they want certain seeds, certain grass on their lawn. But if they get certain weeds, certain type of grass they don't want, that certain grass sometimes just take over the lawn eventually. I don't know if you guys have ever seen mold before in a, in, a, in a basement or seen mold before. How mold spreads so quickly. I think all of these examples that we see within nature is showing us the, the quickness of how sin can spread. And the damage of sin. Sin doesn't spread. Sin wants to take down whatever it touches. And whatever it touches, it wants everything that it touches to join it. So family, I hope that one day, one day, all of us be at the place that we hope for that day when sin will be no more. 
one article says this, the hope of no more sin and its consequences. No longer will there be any curse in Revelation 22.3. Please, Lord, hasten this day. Try to imagine what it's going to be like to have every expression of sin and its consequences removed from us and the universe forever. That's a glorious day to see you in it. No more fighting. No more dishonesty, dishonesty. No more division. No more death. No more pain. No more heartache. Like no more forevermore. It's all is done away with forevermore. Family. Sin will be defeated. But sin hurts. How we know it hurts? Today in our passage, we're going to see an example of how sin hurt and how sin destroys families. We're doing the three points. Reuben defiled his father's bed. Reuben does not have preeminence. And Reuben's birthright was given away. Let's jump right into it. Reuben defiled his father's bed, which is points at how he sins against the Lord and also his father. While Israel lived in that land, Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father, concubine, and Israel heard of it. Israel is which is it, which is Jacob. <coughs> Just recently lost his wife while giving birth to Benjamin near Bethlehem. And as they were heading now to Mamre, which is Hebron, they stopped near a tower of Eder. Tower of Eder. The word Eder mean in Hebrew means flock. So the town of the flock. This was an area with a huge tower that could be used to see your flock grazing land from far distance. So while in this area, we learned that Reuben was around. Reuben is the youngest of all the kids. Oldest. Reuben is the oldest of all the kids. So he would be considered the most responsible, like Trey J. He's the oldest of the pits uh, tribe. Trey is the most responsible in the pits tribe. He's more responsible than Dashman. Trey is more responsible than, uh, than Samuel. Is that true? <coughs> oh, somebody got something. Um, but we see here, though, is that Reuben was considered the oldest. And he would be considered the one to be responsible. But what does he do? He does the unthinkable. The unthinkable. And you think about this unthinkable. Think about when it happened. What did we talk about last week? The death of who? Rachel. So now the unthinkable happened when Rachel dies. Rachel was very close to her maidservant. Wherever her maidservant would go, Rachel would have some type of knowing of what's happening. Her maidservant was like, like a child to her or like a friend to her. It was like a worker to her. Her maidservant was everything to her. But Rachel would be the one to care for her maidservant. You guys remember when Rachel was not even having a child? She allowed her, her maidservant to have a child with Jacob. So Bilhah had a child with Jacob. But Rachel is dead now. So what's happened now? Rachel is not there to protect her. Reuben now takes advantage of her. 
You see, the guard is the guard is taken down of her protection, which is Bill. I mean, which is Rachel. This has never been done in the life of Rachel. So he laid with Bill High, his father concubine, family sexual immorality. Even though there wasn't Mosaic laws, why? Why Mosaic laws doesn't exist right here? Because Moses is not born yet. There's not Mosaic laws yet. Moses is not even born yet. Amen. So we don't have the laws about purity. All the laws to stay away. What, what does it mean? All these different laws of purity and what all these things mean. We don't have the laws yet, but we see that it's a, right here. What Reuben has done goes against the law of God. But the law of God doesn't tell us so far, does it? So how do we know the sexual morality then? If nobody told us this yet. Even though there wasn't Mosaic laws, that was prohibited, type was prohibited. But it, it is revealed even though through nature that this act was indeed wrong through nature. That's why it tells us in Genesis 49.4 about more about Reuben. Unstable as water. You shall not have preeminence because you went into your father's bed. Then you defiled it. He went up to, them, to, up to my couch. Moses tells us that Reuben defiled the bed of the father. The foul is used as an act that is very disturbing before the Lord. It is sometimes translated as the word profane. We saw this used in Ezekiel 22, 15 and 16. And you shall be profaned by your own doing in the sight of the nation. You shall know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel 25, 3. Say to the Amorites, hear the words of the Lord God. Thus said the Lord God, because you say, aha, over my sanctuary, when it was profane. Profane is more mocking the holy things of God. Many more verses we have. Leviticus 21.9. So Reuben has, Reuben has done like the most, he has done like the worst thing here and disturbing in his day. Not only seemed like he, not only did he sleep with her, but it also seemed that if he took advantage her once Rachel wasn't able to defend her. Reuben has sins against his father. But also Reuben has sinned against the Lord. And this sin right here we learn is that in Genesis 2 that a man should leave his father and mother and cling to his wife. Reuben is not married to Bilhah. So he dishonored the Lord. So family, he had transgressed the law of the Lord. You might be asking again, how did he sin? Even by nature, it tells us in Romans, right, too, that even the Gentiles, right, they have a law within themselves, certain things they know they shouldn't be doing, even in the conscience there, and they will be held accountable. The moral law in the conscience of the people in the world is equal to the same law of the Ten Commandments, loving God and loving neighbor. I've said this many times before. All civilizations have some type of moral code. Moral is embedded to all of us. And there are many out there that have never heard the Ten Commandments. Many people out there never heard what the Ten Commandments are, but they know they shouldn't steal from somebody. Uh -oh. But they know they also shouldn't dishonor somebody. Where did they get that from? 
They get it from what? From nature. Nature gets nature. And where does nature get it from? Nature get it from God. You don't have to tell it. Even in different religious other systems out there, they have some type of moral code in there. So Reuben is guilty for not loving his father by the fouling Bilhah. Family, sin is terrible. Sin is terrible. One article tells us about sin. And I'm talking more about the article throughout this message. Sin is fundamentally against God and a failure to live as the image of God. But most fundamentally, sin must be defined as being against God. The account depicting the false suggests that sin is rebellion against God, breaking his covenant, and failing to live as his image bearers by seeing, by serving as king and priest according to his will and on his mission. As such, sin is a change in the glory of the incorruptible God for something less, like idols. Sin is falling short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23, and brings disrepute on the name of God. That's what sin does. It's a change in the glory of the incorruptible God for something less. So we see right here what Reuben done is sin to the core. He's not resembling the God of creation. He resembled the desires of the flesh. He wanted her to avenge her. He did these certain things to fulfill the appetite of the flesh. But also the argument says here, sins entered the human experience in Adam's sin. That sin is an intruder entering the human experience in Adam's sin is clear historically from Genesis. That sin entered the human history in Adam's sin is also clear theological from Romans 5, 12. Sin came into the world through one man Although clarity concerning the reason for Adam's sin remains outreach of reach, Scripture does indicate that Adam's sin not only results in his own punishment, but also has a dire consequence for all humanity. We all have affected, because of what that sin has done, has affected all humanity. And also affected now the relationship with Asher, Reuben, and his father. The bed that belongs to his father and his wife, the father and the wife, the son defiled him. Point two, Reuben does not have preeminence, lack of dignity, talking about preeminence. While Israel lived in that land, Reuben went and lay with Behind's father come by Israel to heard of it. Reuben defiling cost him a lot now. At this time, you know, we in our age, you know, we don't think as much as parents and our legacy they can sit down to our kids. That normally happens when we get older and start getting feeble and things of that nature. Now, son, I want you to take this car. I want you to take this uh, this Hellcat right here, son. And I want you to take this all red, candy red Hellcat that has a cover on it. I want to pass it down to you. Normally, it happened later on in life, right, 60 and 70 years old. During this time, it was everything to be able to receive the birthright from a father, even at a young age, it was known to be able to receive the birthright from the father. It would receive in the sense of, the, as the older kid, to be able to receive preeminence over the other siblings. 
It's just like Reuben was to have preeminence over all his siblings. This was dignity and power. He was to be an example before his siblings, just like Christy and Trey J. They are a great example before their siblings. That's what Samuel and Eden said. Well, they didn't say that, did they? But listen to the description of the son. Jacob describes Reuben. In Genesis 49, 3-4, Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, and the first of fruits of my strength, preeminent and dignity and premier in power. Isn't that what Shaquille and Miss Alina have said about their kids, Trey J and Christy? They're the oldest. They're the firstborn. They have the might. They have dignity and power. Jacob was said to have this preeminence from his father. But now Jacob passed it down and said his son's going to have preeminence. But is that true? Read the rest of that in 49, verse 4. He said, unstable as water, you should not have preeminence. One minute said you have preeminence, but guess what? You don't have it. As a son, as the older child in the family, you just set an example before your siblings. You should be an example that they look to you as a role model before your siblings. But what happened though now, uh, Jacob tells us that Reuben, you both be an example, but guess what? You're not an example now. You don't have dignity, Reuben. Reuben loses the trust that he once had. So preeminence will be given to who? It had given to Reuben, but it's taken away from Reuben now. It was given to who? Joseph. Joseph. But ultimately, preeminence we know, as it's given to Joseph, it points to one that is greater than Joseph that comes after him. Preeminence belongs to Jesus. Amen. Doesn't it sound like Colossians 1? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created. And in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, where the thrones of dominions are rulers of authority, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth and heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Reuben lost his preeminence, but Jesus was given preeminence, and Jesus keeps his preeminence all the way to the grave. Even at the right hand of the Father, he still reigned preeminent by being the firstborn from the dead. Amen. Firstborn of all creation. It's hidden upon this. Now we see what Paul is getting at. We're throwing the word firstborn. That's cool, firstborn. Paul again is the firstborn to have preeminence. Reuben had preeminence, but Reuben failed with preeminence. Jesus kept the preeminence. Preeminence is ultimately found in Christ. So Reuben actually pointed to all of us and ourselves that for us to walk with dignity, 
to walk with the power that God has given to us, to live out a life that's worthy to him for all of us that have been raised up with Christ. We are to have this type of preeminence in the world, to be a testimony to the gospel, but for those in the world, but I tell you what, we are just like Reuben. We have been the one that have been a terrible example of what dignity really is. But Jesus is the example for what is dignity. We haven't cherished the calling that we have in Christ. That, that at times, we don't enjoy the privilege we have in Christ. But Christ does. He is the one that it truly preeminence falls upon. So family, see what happened with sin? Now Reuben loses this preeminence by being the firstborn child. So sin works again. Sin works and people lose certain privileges. It gets me so tired when kids, you know, want to go to softball games and track and things of that nature and they might have messed up at home and sin in some type of way. And I say, well, you can't go to practice today because you did this. And the kids might respond in a way like, Daddy, I'm sorry, Daddy, I'm sorry. They lost that privilege because of their sin. We might think about other situations in life at work or whatever the case may be. So very similar to Reuben, we still can see as well how sin works itself out that those around us will lose things in the midst of it. So we lose a lot when we sin. We lose trust. We lose integrity. We lose respect. Also, we lose the gospel witness. Our sins are bigger than just us. They affect how relationships around us. The article goes on to talk more about sin. Sin results in the reality of human suffering. As sin entered through Adam, so does it affect suffering included. And just as God is not the author of sin, so is he not the author of suffering. Suffering is not a part of God's good creation, but it's the sin of the byproduct. Also, it says, sin creates shattered relationships at every level. As noted, God created a good cosmos with good human beings who have good, good relationship with God, themselves and one another in creation. But sin entered the picture and brought disruption and estrangement each human relationship with God, self, one another in creation. That's what sin does. Sin shakes things up. Point three, Reuben's birthright was given away. Lose privilege of the first son. While Israel lived in the land, Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father concubine, and Israel heard of it. Now also we see Reuben lose the birthright, which we just talked about shortly. First Corinthians, I mean, First, First Chronicles chapter five, verse one and two. The sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, for he was the firstborn, but because he defiled his father's couch, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the sons of Israel, so that he could not be enrolled as the oldest son. Though Judah became strong among his brothers, and the chief came from him. Who was the chief that came from him? Judah? Eventually going to be Jesus. This is already talked about in the Chronicles. 
yet the birthright belonged to Joseph. So Joseph gets it. Now Reuben loses birthright, which consisted of the land, all the things they had with birthright. Land, certain privileges, which were involved with it. Esau's birthright was stolen by Jacob, but Reuben's birthright was stripped away by, from him. So this made birthrights conditional. It's not like the covenant of grace, right? <laughs> when God saves us, it's not based on conditions. Praise God. <laughs> but this is conditional right here with the birthright. The father can take it and give it to the other son. If this son ain't broke this code of his father, this honor of the father, the father can give it to the next son. The million dollars that Jerry Pence was endowed were given to Jerry. The million dollars that was going to go to Trey J, now it's going to go to Dazman. Trey J losing. And the million dollars that was going to give to Christie is going to go to Eden. Eden going to be rich forever now. So birthrights can actually be conditional. So Reuben's birthright was stripped away. That the son of Israel must live a certain way to preserve this birthright. This is another type of what I talked about, this conditional covenant of works. The birthright was given to the son, the firstborn son, that, that, that had been proven to, to, be the, uh, to be a loyal son to the father. But it shows that he wasn't loyal, he wasn't faithful. That it had proven that the integrity and dignity belonged to Joseph. One person says it's about Joseph. Listen, it's about Joseph. In Genesis 39, we read of how Joseph excelled in all his duties, became one of Potiphar's most trusted servants. Trusted servant. Reuben is not trusted, trusted right now. So Joseph was a trusted servant and was put in charge of his household, right? He was put in charge of his household. Potiphar could see that. Whatever Joseph did, God looked favorably on him, and he prospered in all that he did. Unfortunately, Potiphar's wife attempted to subdue Joseph. Joseph consistently refused her advances. Reuben was in that situation. He wouldn't have fused it, right? Reuben would have did the same thing he probably would have did here. But we see in the picture right here, though, is that something else happened, that Joseph runs and flee. Joseph had proven that Joseph is honoring to the Lord. And Joseph said it'd be a wicked thing and a sin against God. That's what Joseph mentioned. Yeah. For him to go into a bed of part of a wife in Genesis 39.9. And one day part of a wife caught Joseph by the cloak and again made sexual advances. Joseph fled, leaving his cloak in her, her hand behind. In anger, she falsely accused Joseph and tempted a rape. And Potiphar put him in prison. Joseph proved that he's better than Reuben. So Joseph is given the birthright, but eventually his two sons inherit the birthright from him. And that's when you start getting the, the sons and Joseph switching hands of the father in Genesis. The father getting a hold and head, there's one of the heads come over and, hey, what you doing, dad? Hey, you done the old, but you got your own hands on the wrong one. A ruling birthright also was taken because it was pointed to one that would come that would never lose anything from the Father. 
Reuben lost the birthright from his father, Jacob. Jesus come. Jesus doesn't lose the birthright from his father. Jerry, Jesus is faithful. Reuben is unfaithful. Jesus is faithful. Jerry, we all are unfaithful. So the good thing about this family, as we get ready to end, even though we sin against God, we still get the inheritance of the birthright. We still get it because of our sins. We get the privilege of the birthright. We get the privilege of the things of God. Even though we have sinned against God, we get all the gift great things that the firstborn son get. We get to get seated in high places. Amen. We get the, all the, the assets, right? That, that's my father. That's the son who died for me. I can go to the king of kings. I can pray to him. I can seek him. I have access to him because what the son has done. I still have privileges because Jesus has given us privileges by his life. So the firstborn son, he would, Reuben, pointed us to let us see that it is one that's coming better than him. That even when we lose certain things in his life, the father and the son based thing on their own holiness. And we get to keep it. Amen. As we end here. Jesus deserved the birthright because he was faithful. We don't deserve it because of our sin, but we get the birthright, the blessings, and everything that Christ gives, we get it because of what Christ has done. Our sins, family, our sins have separated us from God. That's what sin is happening with here with Reuben. The article goes on to say this, sin produces universal human guilt and condemnation. Sin begets universal human death. This is evident from Genesis, including God's warning in Genesis 2.17. Sin brings universal corruption. The corruption of all is directly related to the domain of sin and death just mentioned. So family, sin is destructive. Sin separates us from God. But for those that are in Christ, Jesus died for our sins. Amen. Now we are sons and daughters of the king, of the king. But for those that are not believers, for those that haven't put their faith in Christ, your sins remains on you. Amen. That if you die in your sins, you will go to hell. If you die in your sin, you'll be punished forevermore in the lake of fire. So kids and uh, families, everybody listen to this. Everybody look up and listen to this. Sin is serious. If you die in your sin, you will go to hell. But you die in Christ, you will go to heaven. You will be with Christ forevermore, and you will be, your sins will be removed. Your sin will be placed on Christ. Your, your, your guilt will be removed. All the things that sin brought, it will be nailed to the cross if you put your faith in Jesus. But outside of Jesus, You will be punished. You are an enemy to Christ. You are at war against Christ. So, family, I would say turn to Jesus. And let me say this right here, everybody. In any of our strength, we just can't stop sinning. I don't want this message to get to the point is that let me just stop sinning tomorrow. Which I would love for all of us to stop sinning, right? That'd be good. But apart from the Spirit, there's no way we can stop sinning. 
only way we can stop sinning if God does a work in us by his spirit. Amen. So I say, family, kids, and everybody in here, please to Jesus. Please to Jesus for him to give you the spirit and bring you to life for you to honor him. Family, it is life in Jesus. Turn to Jesus today. Turn to him today. Do not let these words be dull because you hear him every Sunday. You hear him from mom. You hear him from dad. Every Sunday about believing in Jesus. Do not let those words go dull and feel like it's just so repetitive. We go to church, we hear about Jesus, and that's it. We check it out. The list is going to go to heaven. Family, we don't miraculously just go to heaven all of a sudden. Just when we die, we just go straight to heaven. We want to go to heaven by miraculously in the work of the Spirit in our lives. Amen. So I would say, kids in this room and adults in this room, put your faith into Jesus. Turn to Jesus. Tomorrow is not promised. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Turn to Jesus and take this serious. There's a story of Lazarus, I think, Abraham, right? And he just wanted a drip, right, of what water felt like. Family, there's no second chances after this. There's no second chances. Enjoy life. Enjoy all the, the beautiful things in this life that God gives us to enjoy. But family, don't leave this world separated from God forevermore. And I say it is that you might ask a question, well, question, how do I make this happen? I want to make it happen right now. I would say right now, cry to the Lord. You keep crying and crying to the Lord. Cry and beg the Lord. Cry and cry and cry. Every day, every night, cry and ask the Lord to save you. Bear to the Lord to save you. Repent of your sins before the Lord and ask the Lord to save you. And I pray the Lord saves you. All of a sudden, Shaquille and myself, we didn't wake up saved, right? By even about because of our works. Me and Shaquille woke up saved because of what God has done through Christ. So kids, turn to Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. No matter what age you are, put your faith in Jesus. Let me end here. Let me end here. Uh, real quick, a couple applications here. Um, older kids, you get the example to be an example as Christ before your younger siblings. You get an opportunity as older kids to be an example that as they see you, they can ultimately see Christ. Or you be an example, older kids, to your younger siblings for pointing them to Christ. If so, if not, I would say is that this is the opportunity that you get the gift to be able to be an example before them. Second thing, let us live a life of gratitude. What do we have that we haven't received? We receive God's grace, not of our works, because of his great kindness. So family, let's live a life of gratitude. And when someone gets caught in sin, let us carefully restore them and love them through it. Let us not bash them. And family, the last thing I want to mention here, let us be hopeful for that day to come and sin will be no more. One of the things you could do before you get up in the morning as you do your devotion time, anticipate. Have a few moments thinking about heaven. I was in Chicago. One guy said that there was one thing that had to treat him in his Christian walk is heaven. He walked around and just thinking about heaven, he said, all day. So what grabs him is that what heaven is going to be like. Think about that throughout the day. It'll show you gratitude. When the track is so hot, 
right? All day. Think about one day you're going to be in heaven forevermore. Be more, not more, no more heat from the sun. It, it'd be a sun there, right? But, but not this created sun. It'd be a sun that has always existed going to be there. So family, let us live a life thinking about heaven. No day when sin will be no more. Death will need be no more. Pain will be no more. Think about those certain things. Let me pray for you. Father God, Lord, we 